Okay. Hello again. I have the privilege this morning to introduce our speaker to you. Uh, We have the opportunity to hear from Kelly Preston. Kelly is an associate pastor here at Capitol. I heard a woo. I love that. You know I do. I love the woos. Um, Okay. Kelly is an associate pastor here at Capitol. She has a very impressive background of work in ministry. A few highlights, she was a missionary in Morocco and the Middle East and was recently the lead pastor of a church she helped get started in Columbus, Ohio. Kelly and her husband, Greg, moved their beautiful family here uh, to Utah last year when they felt God's call to lead the Utah Teen Challenge Center for Girls in Tooele. It's also called 180 Ministries. I personally am so glad they did move here. Kelly has a beautiful soul, a fun spirit, and it's been a joy getting to know her and spending time with her. But more than that, of course, she is a faithful follower of Jesus and God's leading on her life, and we're going to hear a little bit about that today. So will you join me in welcoming her? and praying for her as she comes to speak. Let's pray. God, I thank you for my friend, Kelly. I pray now that you would just speak through her. Open our hearts to what you have to say and would our lives just be drawn closer to you because of it. For your glory. Amen. Thank you, Mackenzie. (laughs) Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Oh my goodness. Wow. Woo. 2017. (laughs) How many of you stayed up to bring in the new year? Okay. I'm impressed. I did not. I went to bed. (laughs) I knew it was going to come. So didn't feel the need to stay up to watch it happen. So (laughs) no, I went to bed because I wanted to be somewhat um, alive and well for this morning. So anyway, we're so glad that you're here. Doesn't it feel good to start a new year? Good. I'm like, (laughs) maybe not yet. Maybe tomorrow it'll feel better. (laughs) But the new year is always a reminder that we get a great big do-over. And so you might have some things that you're looking forward to in this new year, maybe some resolutions. If you haven't come up with your resolutions yet, I'd love to offer some very inspiring ones to you today. We have a top 10 list. Okay. So get ready for this. All right. Um, the top 10 New Year's resolutions for 2017. Are you ready? Number 10, volunteer and donate more often. Isn't that beautiful? Number nine, watch less TV and read more. Excellent. Number eight, quit smoking. This is the year, okay? Number seven, be grateful, happy, and more polite. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Moving along. (laughs) That's a dumb one. I don't know why they put that in there. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Number six, you were thinking it, come on. Number six, spend more time with family and friends. Aw, yeah. Number five, become more active. Move around, right? Move around more. uh, Number four, travel. Traveling is the best way to learn. Number three, improve your skills. You get better opportunities when you have better skills, right? Okay. All right, number two. Get out of debt and save money. We're going to do it this year. All right. Guess what the number one resolution is for 2017? No. 
You are wrong. It, <laughs> it is. Wow. So good. I feel there's a com- competition in the air this morning. <laughs> All right. It is attend church regularly. Oh yeah. Isn't that good? It's not on the list. I totally made that up. I did. I did. So just kidding, but it's such a good resolution, isn't it? The number one resolution is be healthier. (laughs) You were right. Okay. (laughs) Good job, everybody. (laughs) All right. Well, some of my doozies have been, uh, I don't even remember the year it was, but I decided one year, January 1st, that I would fast from drinking coffee for an entire month. Yes, I know. I know. I'm amazing, aren't I? (laughs) I lasted three and a half hours. (laughs) I decided that was not the spiritual discipline for me, and I needed to get some coffee brewing. So the other one that I did that I failed miserably was I decided to get organized, completely organized one year. I mean, closets, cupboards, labeled bins, trays in those closets and cupboards. Oh yeah. I mean, you're going to open my cupboards and my pantry and be like, Oh wow. Well, I bought the bins and I never used them. Okay. So when we moved a year ago, I found all these great empty bins. Yep. That was really humbling. Uh, just a reminder of my failed attempt at that resolution. So we just looked at the top 10 Uh, resolutions for 2017, but I'd like to depress you just a little bit this morning by reading you the most commonly broken New Year's resolutions according to Time Magazine. Are you ready? Number one, lose weight and get fit. Number two, quit smoking. Number three, learn something new. Four, eat healthier and diet. Five, get out of debt and save money. Six, spend more time with family. Isn't that sad? That's a really sad one. Okay. Number seven, travel to new places. Number eight, this is my favorite, be less stressed. Okay. (laughs) Um, Number nine, volunteer. Number 10, drink less. All right. Kind of sounds like the same list, doesn't it? Right. So we went from hopeful to hopeless in a matter of what, 60 seconds? So, (laughs) okay, but this morning I have a message for you that is truly full of hope. It's full of strength. It's full of rest. And I believe that if you plant this resolution firmly at the top of your list, that your life this year, what you do, what you don't do, how you feel, who you do it with, all the aspects that you are aiming for, that you will be better than you could ever imagine. Your life will be better. What if you resolved to do 2017 differently than 2016? What if you learned to carry life's burdens in a new way? What if you exchanged anxiety for peace, weariness for strength, and exhaustion for rest? What if in 2017 you resolved to recover rest for your weary soul. I bet to a lot of you that sounds pretty darn good.
And we find out how to do this in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus offers himself the top resolution of all time. Let's read his words in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Before we unpack this passage, let's pray together. Lord, we need you this morning. Guide us through your word. Lord, these are your words to us this morning, and we pray that you would illuminate our hearts so that we can see how to apply your word into our everyday lives. Be with us and guide us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in this passage, Jesus is addressing a crowd of people, and previously he had just brought a lot of correction to the crowd, to the spiritual leaders of that time. But in this section, he is inviting those who are willing to listen into a beautiful lesson and promise. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says it to them directly. He says it to us this morning. These are simple words, come to me. In the verse just prior, Matthew eleven twenty seven, Jesus says this. He says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. who no, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. New Testament scholar Dale Bruner tells us that Jesus presents himself as the fully authorized representative of God. In Jesus, God gets a face. Jesus is God, and he is asking us to come to him. The creator of the universe was trying to get their attention then, and he's wanting to get our attention today. If we listen really close, if we press in, we can hear Christ ask us and say to us, Come to me. And you'll recover your life. You may feel skeptical this morning of RSVPing yes to an invitation like this. Perhaps, if you're anything like me, you are used to carrying your own burdens and would rather not have any further advice on how to do things. Thank you very much. Or perhaps, right now, spiritual disciplines may seem like just another item on your to-do list. You may be afraid of what you think God wants to teach you. Maybe you feel burned out on religious expectations. Or perhaps you feel unworthy to receive this invitation from the King of Kings. But Jesus knows. Let's look at who he's talking to in this text. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The weary, the burdened, that's who he invites. The word that Matthew uses to define weary in this text, it means to grow weary, to be tired, exhausted with toil or burdens or grief. The weary and burdened described here are those who are, they're struggling They're exhausted. They're having a hard time. Anybody experiencing that? 
especially at the most wonderful time of the year. Perhaps you have been struggling to get out of debt and it feels like a mountain too big to conquer. Maybe you're feeling like lately you just can't win with your boss, with your spouse, or maybe with your kids. Maybe you feel discouraged because you've tried everything you know, but you keep running back to an addiction. Maybe you've prayed for years for God to provide a lifelong companion, but you just keep meeting Mr. Wrong. Sorry, guys. Maybe it's Mrs. Wrong. Anyway, I don't, there's no Mrs. Wrong, so I'm sorry. I had to say Mr. Wrong. <laughs> Not because there isn't, but it's just not the right phrase. <laughs> so, no offense, please, gentlemen, okay? <laughs> Maybe this last year, or in the past couple of years, you've grieved the loss of a loved one or the loss of a relationship, and you're just worn out. You might be serious about God, but you are also just bone weary. From the burdens of life. You feel it physically, you feel it emotionally, you feel it spiritually. You are the very person that Christ is inviting to resolve to recover rest for your weary soul. Jesus promises to give us something in return when we come to him. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest is translated from the Greek, it's anapao, and it means to refresh, to take ease, to be refreshed, receive rest. This rest not only rescues you, but it refreshes you. More specifically, Christ provides quietness into your soul. The translation says it reaches the depths or our psyches. This type of refreshment gives us new strength and it awakens our faith. And I love that. I want us to look at a passage that talks about this type of awakened faith. It's Romans 1.17. It says, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. When we put our faith in Christ, we come alive. We come to him and we recognize or we remember that his ways are really better than our ways. The way that we've been living, we recognize in our own strength is so much harder than the way that he is offering us. When we resolve to recover rest for our weary souls, we learn what it's like to walk in the rhythms of God's grace in everyday life. Now, I tend to get off on my own track from time to time. I get in my own way. It's fabulous. And I rely on my own strength from time to time. I'm sure none of you ever do that. So I'm just going to confess this morning that I do that. Um, but I have some trusted people in my life that some are a little more subtle when they see this. And that's, that's wonderful because they're real gentle. You know, they take me aside and say something like, how's it going, Kelly? You know, you, you seem like things are, maybe things are going wrong right now or whatever. And it's really nice. And I'm, I feel open and I can just 
you know, share my burden. <laughs> and then I have other people in my life that aren't quite so subtle. And I am married to one of them. And, um, <laughs> now with, uh, just to be fair, I have given him permission to be completely honest with me at all times. Um, except for when, uh, we're talking about weight and clothing. So that's the only time <laughs> I'm like, yep, dope do it. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. But he is direct anyway. So it's just natural for him to just jump right in there in the middle of me being stressed and intense. And and he'll, he'll very candidly say, and really nicely, um, you're so intense, Kelly, you're so stressed out. And all that does for me really, it calms me right down. So anyway, thank you for the feedback. And anyway, then I have to go back into prayer because now I have more things to pray about. But anyway, when he reminds me, or I see this in myself, I have a little checklist that I ask myself because I know there's a pattern in my life, at least where I start to get off track. And I start doing things in my way. I'm worrying. I'm carrying things. And I'm just thinking, I just got to get this done my way. I just got to do it. I'm going to protect myself, Do put my guards up, you know, whatever I'm going to do. But this is my checklist. And I want to share it with you. Here are the questions I ask. Have you been reluctant to pray because you believe you need to figure things out on your own? Have you felt like your prayers only reached the ceiling? Have you wondered if there was more to this life because you are, what you are experiencing is not truly satisfying? Are you serious about God, but you are exhausted by the burdens of life? When we say yes to Christ's invitation, the pressure we felt before to do everything right gets shifted to Christ. Instead of lying awake at night, wondering how a circumstance is going to work out, we ask Christ instead how he's going to handle it and what part he wants us to play in the solution. I want us to be clear this morning. This passage, Christ is not offering an escape. This is not the type of rest we experience when we go away on a vacation and then we get bombarded by the reality of life when we return. He's not offering us an escape because that kind of rest, we know that's temporary. He is offering us something new. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Yoke is in the Greek zugas, and it is used to signify that we are not alone. That Christ, he's our partner. He gets paired up with us. The yoke is an instrument used for two animals to carry one load. The yoke Christ offers is is not an escape, which is sometimes what we would really rather that he offer us, right? It's, It's a new piece of equipment to carry the burdens of life. New Testament scholar Dale Bruner says it this way. A yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. They need a mattress and a vacation, (laughs) not a yoke. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way 
to bear responsibility. Jesus is offering his yoke in place of the one that we've been using. You see, we all wear a yoke. We're all living in the real world, aren't we? Life is happening all around us and we're in it. We have responsibilities. We carry burdens because we're human beings living on this earth. So we all wear a yoke. But Jesus is offering to take the yoke that we've been wearing, the one that guides us to do things in our own strength and in our way, what we think is best. And in exchange, he wants to give us his yoke. He wants to instruct us on his ways, how to carry our load with his yoke. What a gift. His yoke will fit. It won't be too heavy or too bulky. He does not put his yoke on us and then walk away and say, well, good luck doing things my way. See you on the other side. (laughs) Okay. That's what I think he says sometimes when I'm feeling paranoid that God has abandoned me and I'm all on my own. His yoke does not indicate a freedom from responsibility. In fact, his yoke embodies the Torah. The knowledge of God's character and his actions towards humanity for all time. We get to be partnered with the creator of the universe and learn how he does things. Christ is not offering to carry our burdens in this passage. He is presenting us with a new way to carry our burdens like he would. Living overseas... I did not have much exposure to the Dr. Phil show or any other shows that were happening in America. But a few times I caught an episode and I was really excited because it was in English. And I wasn't picky about what we watched because if there's any time the satellite worked in our favor and we got an English channel, oh, it was a blessing. So I remember catching a few episodes of Dr. Phil and I remember the kind of the routine of the show. And he would have these people come up and I mean, they shared, they just, they shared their souls. They shared what they had been going through in their lives, how they had been handling the tumultuous circumstances that they had been facing over the year or the years. And they would cry often. And I would get so sucked into their stories. You know what I mean? I was like crying along with them thinking, this is, I don't know what this guy's going to say. What can he do to fix this or help them? I mean, you know, really, I was amazed. And I remember thinking, why doesn't he, you know, he should just get up and hug these people, you know, right? Because they've just been crying their eyes out. But instead, he sat in his chair and he he asked this great question, very boldly. Well, how's that working for you? You know, with his like Southern accent. I don't know. I can't do it, but I was so offended. (laughs) I'm not comparing Dr. Phil with Jesus. Okay. And I'm not, I don't have an opinion either way on Dr. Phil. I just think his question is a valid one. If you were to be honest with yourself this morning, ask yourself, how have you been carrying your burdens over this past year? Have you been doing it in your own strength? Or have you allowed Christ to teach you his way of carrying your burdens? If not, if you've been carrying them on your own, Christ is inviting you this morning to learn a new way 
of handling things in your life. And it's his way. In the moment, bitterness feels justified. After all, what happened to you or the person that you love was unjust. But left to grow, bitterness turns into an unruly weed that wraps itself around every relationship connected to you. Bitterness is not an isolated emotion. It permeates the thought life, spiritual life, and threatens the stability of one's emotional state. This is one way to handle hurt, pain, and injustice. But Christ has a different way, an easier way. Instead of bitterness, Christ's way is forgiveness. Forgiveness severs the root of bitterness and stops it in its tracks. Forgiveness honors the truth. What happened was wrong. It was unjust. It brings comfort to the deepest places of hurt in our lives. Forgiveness allows justice and vengeance to be in God's hands, not ours. It takes the weight off of our shoulders and replaces that weight with freedom, with joy, with rest. Christ's way, his yoke, is the only way to recover real rest for your soul. Wearing Christ's yoke means recognizing anxious thought patterns and taking them one by one to Christ in prayer. Telling him, instead of entertaining worrisome thoughts that often lead to premature actions or decisions. Wearing Christ's yoke means falling on your knees instead of ranting on Facebook. When we cry out to God with our hurt, our pain, our anger, rage, or our grief, we intentionally turn our attention to him instead of ourselves. I'm not against Facebook and I'm not against a good, healthy venting session on occasion with someone that you trust. I am suggesting, though, that if your tendency is to tell everyone else what's going on in your life before you tell God, that you try reversing that order in 2017 and tell him first. Wearing Christ's yoke means patiently trusting that God really will give you everything you need to do everything he asks you to do instead of trying to fix things on your own. Wearing Christ's yoke sometimes means simply breathing, allowing ourselves a moment to be calm instead of getting caught up in the chaos around us. Would you resolve to recover rest for your weary soul in this new year? Our text continues. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Christ is offering his yoke, his personal teaching. When we receive his yoke, we are not on our own. We are paired up with Jesus. Imagine Christ being your partner and instruction for every aspect of your life. This past summer, our family was traveling home from a, a, a business slash vacation, but it was more of a business trip than vacation. And some things had just 
our plans had had to change a bit. And so it was a little bit hard on our family, just, um, just some of the changes that happened. And, uh, on our last day, we were about four hours from Salt Lake city and we stopped for lunch. And my husband looked at me and he said, you know, he said, what if we just stop for the night? And I thought, Oh, I don't think we can. We, uh, as soon as we were to get home, we were facing a very big event at Teen Challenge where my husband's the director and we oversee and care for uh, adolescent girls who are in a recovery program for 15 months. So they're away from their families. And so every two months we have parent weekends so that they can be with their parents and have quality time connecting. And it's just a very big event. And Greg and I want it to be perfect. You know, we want it, everything to go smoothly. And so we had a lot to prepare for, for this event when we returned from our trip. So it didn't make sense for us to stop, but I really felt like he was right. You know, this, we need to stop. We need to have some fun on this trip because it was not a fun trip. And, um, so we, an hour later, we were checked into a hotel room. We were, we we were in the pool with our kids, just having fun. And we ate this huge Italian meal. It was awesome. We ate so much food. <laughs> That's what you do on vacation, right? You eat whatever you want. And, um, after we, we had fun with the kids and played games and, um, we, I, we tucked him into bed and I went out to the balcony of our hotel room and we were overlooking this river and we were in the country. So it was just quiet and the sun was setting and I just, oh, I was so thankful for this scene. I thought, wow, we were driving so fast. We would never have really seen this beautiful place. And, um, I sat and I, I thought, oh, I just, I want to pray and prepare myself for this coming weekend. And so I started actually worrying about all the things on my to-do list. And I started praying about all of them. And I, I really felt like God in such a gracious way said, shut up. <laughs> like it didn't, it wasn't condemning. It was loving, <laughs> but you know, that was the words I needed to get my attention. And so I, I did, I just stopped and I felt like what God was saying was, would you just take in this scene? Would you just rest? <laughs> and so I did. I just sat there and, you know, after a while, and I really didn't feel released to get up. I felt like I was just supposed to sit there. And I, I felt after a while that um, I, I felt different. My anxiety turned into anticipation for the upcoming weekend. And my doubts turned into challenging, exciting challenges. And I was so assured and reminded that God cares so deeply for the students and the families that we are serving through Teen Challenge. And that it was all going to work out. It was going to be okay. And that we needed this stop and this pause to rest up. And then I started thinking, well, maybe it's going to be really bad. And that's why we needed to rest up so that I had to be quiet again. I don't know if any of you do that, but I just go all over the map. Um, <laughs> but it was an awesome weekend. It was a lot of work. But I felt at ease. I felt confident and strengthened, not in my wisdom or my strength, but in God's. He accomplished so much that weekend for our families. It was a victory, and it was awesome. If you're anything like me, not a day goes by that you don't realize you'll never hit the mark on your own. You'll never make it over the bar. 
Maybe you're weary and burdened because of your failure. Failure as a father, mother, friend, or spouse. How about trying on a different yoke? How about spending less time trying to change and more time asking Jesus to change you? I want us to consider for a moment what learning from Christ looks like. It's not feeling guilty when we keep healthy boundaries with coworkers or loved ones. Learning from Christ is knowing at the end of the day that you don't have to save the world because that's God's job. Learning from Christ is not expecting perfection from ourselves or our children or our coworkers or our family. Learning from Christ is having confidence that God already knows what the doctor's going to say when we go to our appointment and that he's going to be with us no matter what. Learning from Christ is trusting that your worries, both big and small, are worth God's time and his ability to intervene. Learning from Christ is having confidence that God is able to meet the needs of your family and those that you care about. Learning is resting. We cannot recover rest unless we resolve to learn Christ's way of doing things. What if you resolve to recover rest for your weary soul in this new year? Let's look at the way Christ instructs us. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I love those words, the way Jesus describes his own manner of teaching, gentle and humble. This is the kind of teacher I want to learn from. Jesus knew what kind of teachers his audience needed. At that time, the spiritual leaders were driven to perfection. They were demanding. They were bossy. They were legalistic. They were performance-driven. Jesus is not that kind of a teacher. He does not stand over you wearing a whistle, blowing it every time you mess up. Isn't that good? (laughs) So true. A few weeks ago, I sat across from a, a young woman who was describing how the recent presidential election had changed her life. I was all ears, okay? Um, I really wanted to know what happened in her life to cause her to seek a relationship with Jesus because of the turmoil and the conflict that our, our nation was experiencing. She explained to me that through the conflict and controversy over these previous months, she found herself searching for answers that only God could give her. She told me that as a child, she had always thought of God as a drill sergeant, as someone that was unapproachable. But in recent weeks of talking to him and and praying, spending time reading the Bible, she encountered a loving and grace-filled God. She met him in the midst of questioning his existence and asking him about all of her doubts And her biggest doubt of wondering if God was actually even good. She came to him honestly without holding back her questions. She described to me how each day she was experiencing strength and refreshment. 
She said that areas of her life where she would rarely share or talk about with anyone, let alone God, that he was actually touching on in her life and prompting her to redirect some significant areas. And she said, I would have been scared to death in the past to make these changes. But right now I feel excited. I feel like I, I can do it because of him. Only Christ can do that for us. He supernaturally restores our hope and our faith. It's never something we can drum up on our own. It's his gift to you and to me. As we look at our text once again, he, Jesus mentions rest. Rest another time. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. He offers his yoke. He's asking us to partner with him, to learn from him. He assures us of his gentle tone of instruction. And he promises us that our lives will be recovered through his rest. The last part of Christ's words, he says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christians have often prided themselves on not having to follow all of the laws that the Jewish people had to in the Old Testament. I've heard people say, well, we have it easy now. However, Christ's Sermon on the Mount, his gospel message, is not without challenge. He asks us to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and then to love others as we love ourselves. These are huge. (laughs) These two things may sum up the law, but they do not lessen our responsibility of following Christ and demonstrating the love of God to the world around us. Greg and I served as missionaries a long time ago. We served for about 10 years and uh, to North Africa and the Middle East. And, um, wanted to show you a picture of my younger self. It's really cute. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we had a picture of me right there. Anyway, <laughs> the next one's much cuter because it's Greg and our, our dog, Oscar, who I believe is in heaven um, because he was such a perfect dog. <laughs> anyway, no, he was a wonderful dog. He got us through some hard times. So I'm not going to start on any kind of theology on that right now. I just believe <laughs> that he is. <laughs> anyway, we were, we were transferred by our organization in March of 2003 to move to Beirut, Lebanon. And if you'll recall, March of 2003 is the same month that President George W. Bush declared war on Iraq. And so we were moving to the Middle East at that time. And we were also enrolled in Arabic school at one of the Hezbollah headquarters in Beirut. Hezbollah, as many of you I'm sure know, is one of the most organized uh, terrorist groups in the world. And, um, so we were really excited, you know, about this new adventure in our lives. (laughs) We were scared, (laughs) but we were taking our dog (laughs) all the way to Beirut. (laughs) So we had a layover in Paris and, um, I think we were the only Americans in the airport, uh, at that time. And, uh, because we were actually cautioned not to go, but our organization said, go ahead, just, you know, we'll, we'll, 
will keep in touch with you. <laughs> Sounds awful. <laughs> I don't know why we believe that. Anyway, <laughs> we're like, let's go. Um, <laughs> we were traveling through the Paris airport, getting ready to go to our connecting flight. And we had to take all of our um, luggage through customs because we had a more than a 24-hour layover. So we got all of our bins and our suitcases because we had packed for a year and we had our dog and he had a cage. And so we each rented those really large wheel carts. So, and they're like the Costco carts, you know, the ones that have the flatbed. <laughs> um, so we each had two and my husband's tall and big and strong. And, and, um, so, you know, he could just wheel these without any problem. Well, he put, he put fewer things on my carts, but I mean, I'm shorter. So I'm wheeling, like the handles are up here and, um, we're, I'm thinking, great, we're going to, we're going to get to that counter in a timely manner. Our dog was in his cage being wheeled on the cart with the luggage too. So he was having a hard time, but I'm following my husband through the airport and I'm wheeling this stuff and the, they start to veer out away from me and I couldn't, you know, couldn't correct it. It's like skis, you know, where you, this is really hard to get out of the groove that you are in. You cannot come back sometimes. And yeah, so uh, the carts are veering away from me and we had this luggage that was um, plastic or something. It was smooth and slick and you'd want it if you were in a shipwreck, you know, cause you could float on it. But it is so, it is not good for international travel and it's especially not good if you try to jam pack a year's worth of items into those suitcases. They don't work that well. So anyway, the suitcase on one of my carts, it, it slid off the cart. The floor was probably just polished that morning. I don't know. In the Paris airport. And it slid way far away from me. And I have the carts. And Greg's already like way ahead because he walks faster. And um, I'm yelling for him to stop. And um, I'm trying to get the carts to stop, you know, because they're out of control. And I'm trying to run and retrieve my bag because, you see, when it hit the floor... It popped open. Oh, yeah. And so my Bible flew out. I'm so spiritual. And I was like, oh, well, that's, I'm not ashamed of that. But also along with my Bible was my year supply of underwear. Okay. So, and I'm talking like Costco supply. You know what I mean? Undergarments for a year. This is just great. So I'm diving towards the suitcase to quickly tuck everything back in. Why couldn't a sweater pop out? You know what I mean? Like, this is my life. Okay, so I'm yelling to Greg, stop, stop, you know, and the dog's barking now. Yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, people are moving away from us because we, I mean, when I get stressed, my neck gets red, my face is red, probably is right now, and because I'm reliving this for you. But anyway, we finally got to our plane. And we sat down and I just thought, you know, this isn't easy. <laughs> this isn't easy. You know, we, uh, ugh, what is life going to be like in Beirut, Lebanon? Well, yeah. If Jesus' yoke is easy, then why is life hard sometimes? Not just hard, but it feels unbearable sometimes. And it may seem enticing in those moments to not believe in God or anything at all. Sometimes choosing Christ's way, actually always choosing Christ's ways, it seems harder than doing it our way initially. 
However, when we think about the limit and scope of our wisdom and understanding, we sooner than later realize that our way is actually much more difficult than Christ's. It didn't make any sense for us to move to Beirut, Lebanon, in the middle of a war in the Middle East. And not to mention this country was rebuilding from its own civil war. It didn't make sense to go to an Arabic language school in the Hezbollah headquarters. We had plans and we were asked to do certain things in that country, but everything changed because of the turmoil and the unrest. And so we had to rearrange everything that we had set out to do there. And so this threw us off for a while. This year was one of the hardest years of our career and one of the hardest years of our marriage. We had to stay inside in our home a lot because the American embassy issued different orders for Americans and other citizens to stay inside because there were bombings throughout the city. And so in that year, because we had to you know, adjust our expectations and our schedule and our way of doing things, we found that we had some extra time on our hands. And so in that year, I watched, the, I watched every episode of every season of Friends. And because we could have anything delivered to our house on a moped in Beirut, Lebanon. It was really cool. So the video shop delivered. That was great. It was better than Redbox. We didn't have to go anywhere. And I learned how to make homemade greeting cards. I don't know how many thousands of, I mean, not thousands, but hundreds of cards I made in that year. We made lifelong friends. We played games. We rested. Um, I practiced new spiritual disciplines in that year. I read my Bible uh, just with a, a hunger. And I journaled and I prayed and I read lots of different books that year. And I, I learned to rehone my teaching skills so that I could not just teach ESL, but teach students how to conduct themselves in an interview so that they could get jobs. It was so rewarding in those moments. Things that we did, we had no idea that God had in mind for us to do. I look back at that tough year and I... I have fond memories because Jesus taught me how to live in the everyday rhythms of his grace and his strength and his plans, not my own. Only Christ can do that. Oh, that we, you and I, for this new year, that we would resolve to recover rest for our souls. When we come to Christ, he isn't sitting back in an easy chair with the newspaper in front of his face, uninterested. He is completely leaned forward. His arms are open. He's calling us to himself. And he's saying, please come to me. The yoke that you've been wearing this year and the years in the past is hard. I don't want you to live that way. I want you to take mine. When we come to him, he gently lifts off that yoke. The one where we've been doing things in our own wisdom, in our own strength. He takes it off and then he puts his on ours. And he says, now you can really live. You're going to recover your life now. What a beautiful invitation he gives us. He is committed to us. 
He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forget about us. He's in that yoke with us, instructing us. There's so many resolutions that we could take on this year, and they're all noble, and they're all good. But what if we were to just resolve to do one thing? To receive Christ's invitation to take his yoke, to recover the rest that he intends for our lives. N.T. Wright is a biblical scholar, and he offers, um, he offers this to us. I want to share this with you. How could following Jesus really be that easy? Didn't he say himself that people had to be prepared to leave behind family, possessions, even their own life? Yes, he did. But the ease and the joy and the, the rest and the refreshment which he offered all spring from his own inner character. His gentleness and warmth to all who turned to him, weighed down by burdens, moral, physical, emotional, financial, or whatever. He is offering what he has in himself to offer. King Jesus' invitation is not new. It's been his MO throughout all of biblical history. Exodus thirty three fourteen. the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Psalm 23, 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Jeremiah 31, 25, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. What if on this fresh start of this new year, you resolve to recover rest for your weary soul? Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you. We come to you this morning and we thank you for your invitation. God, I pray for the one that's here this morning that may feel like an exemption, that maybe this invitation doesn't extend to him or to her. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak loud and clear to them and say, yes, my invitation is for you. Drive our doubts away, God, so that we will be ready and bold to come to you, to ask for your yoke instead of the one that we've been wearing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, it's time to bring the homework back. I hope you enjoyed your Christmas break, <laughs> but it's on. Okay, so <laughs> you have three assignments, so please write these down. Okay, read the Gospels. If you're not sure where to start, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you don't have to read them all today, but read them. Start today. <laughs> read a chapter or a few verses at a time, and then take note because these Gospels portray Jesus' life, his way of doing things. How did he handle when people were rude? How did he make big life decisions? How did he react when things didn't go the way that it was all planned? Watch and take note of how he did things. Your second assignment, phone a friend. This is crucial, okay? Let's put a little star by it. Uh, phone a friend or take someone to coffee this week. 
This isn't someone who has it all together. This is someone, because nobody has it all together. Let me just make that disclaimer right now. We think that people do, but it's not true. That's a lie. No one has it all together. Thank you very much. Okay. So someone that you admire, someone that you know, you've watched their life. No, they're not perfect, but boy, they, they've been following Christ. Ask him, ask her, how do you do it? Your third assignment, this requires no scales. Weigh your baggage. Reflect on a specific burden that you're carrying right now. Ask Christ how he's going to handle it. And ask him what role he is expecting you to play in your solution. And then wait. Wait. Sit. When you open your Bible, expect him to speak to you. When you sit in his presence and talk to him, expect him to give you an answer. And that answer may come in different forms from someone you trust. It may come as a word in your heart that you know you didn't think of it. You know it's God. It may come through a song. But expect that he will answer you. A book recommendation um, Oh, I love this book. It's Adele Calhoun's book, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. And we we sold out of them in the bookstore in the back, but you can order these online or on Amazon. Um, There's so many different spiritual disciplines that she lists and she defines, and then she gives practical ways to actually practice these spiritual disciplines. And each discipline's like two pages long. So it's just an easy way to, if you feel stuck or stalled in your relationship with Christ, to reawaken and reunite with him or discover him for the very first time. Would you stand with me? We'll have our, our graphic online to resolve to recover rest for your weary soul. We also have our scripture text in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. If you came this morning and you have a need, and maybe you thought of something while, while we were here in this, this time together, and you would like prayer, I want to invite you not to, not to doubt it, but to come up and ask for prayer. We'll have prayer partners at the front and they keep everything confidential and they want to pray for you. They want to encourage you in Christ. And so I want to challenge you not to be shy, but to step forward if you want prayer at the close of our service. May you receive Christ's invitation to learn his ways to take on his yoke and recover rest for your life. God bless you. Happy New Year, everyone. We will see you next weekend.